I am Dr. Eileen Hale, the COO of our organization, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers, a program of educators worldwide. I'm really excited to share a special guest with us today, Hensley Cazo. I have practiced his name several times. He is Haitian American, and I met Hansley, sorry, through our Communities of Practice website, which we use with English language fellows. I'm going to refer to our guest as Hans today so that I will continue with hopefully pronunciation, correctly pronouncing his name. I welcome Hans. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Eileen. I'm just going to give a quick introduction for our listeners and then let you take it away. Um, Hans is joining us both as an American educator and a cultural enthusiast. He started his English language teaching career in about 2007 when he went to Japan to teach English and also learn Japanese. He came back to the States to teach in a high school in New Jersey and has been teaching there for about seven years, working with a lot of Spanish-speaking English language learners, as well as others, obviously. Um, but he also, and most recently, after getting his master's in multicultural education and with a specialization in TESOL, has recently been offered the opportunity to work as an English language fellow in Montenegro. He's going to take off very shortly in September here, Lord willing, <laughs> with uh, all of our COVID restrictions. Uh, so Hans, can you share a little bit more about how and why you got interested in storytelling in relation to your teaching career? Uh, sure. So as a teacher, I worked, I'd worked in two public schools in uh, New Jersey. And for the most part, the way ESL is approached is through literacy. So we have, uh, we teach ESL through reading. And oftentimes guided reading, if you're an ESL teacher, you know about guiding reading and guided reading is a really awesome strategy to help developing readers in English. That being said, uh, sometimes guided reading can be a little uh, boring. <laughs> so um, what I started to do was try to find ways to kind of spice it up a little bit. So that way, you know, both I and the students are having more fun with it. That's wonderful. Um, so can you give us some examples of how you've integrated storytelling into your classroom? I'm going to let you share your screen now so that you can share some of your PowerPoint slides with us. Sure. So one of the ways that I try to make it more interesting is you know, we are an example of how to speak English. So when I read for my students, I always try to, you know, be cognizant of how I pronounce words and how I say things. And when I read, I started reading with different cadences, inflection of my voice, pausing at certain places to kind of model the students how to talk in a more, I don't want to say energetic, but in a more, in a way that doesn't sound so monotone. Because sometimes, you know, if you're listening to your students talk, they, they might sound very, and Jill went to the house and bought five cats. 
you <laughs> oh, I hope she didn't buy five cats, but you know what I mean, right? So uh, here, let me show you an example of what I'm talking about here. So here, uh, um, this is uh, not a story, but this is like a PowerPoint I created. And now this is a simple example. My students have access to this. It's a simple example. I, it's about maybe a sentence long. The audience for this is about lower intermediate English speakers and they're developing readers. So I didn't wanna choose anything too large or too heavy for them to practice reading. Just a nice sentence with maybe some difficult words or pronunciation uh, that they can practice over and over again and get some work in. Uh, so this is a tongue twister. And for this, my Spanish, my students are Spanish speakers for the most part. So what I wanted to do was have them practice the short I sound and the long E sound. Sometimes that can be difficult for them due to their language. So I wish my brother washed my sheep on the ship while I watched a witch film eating cheap chips. Now, I practiced this a lot before I said it, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, and I gave him this sample. And then what I would do is I provide them an example of me reading it so they can hear me. And on the PowerPoint, I give them a blank example. And then what I do is I highlight where they should focus their pronunciation. So if you see, I put the short I in green and the long E in orange. And I added some bonus. So in purple, these are bonus pronunciation. That's just what I called it. And yeah. it's uh, the ED sound, washed. And I, I put a little T so that they know it's a T sound. I know we have like a phonetic alphabet, but sometimes our students don't really uh, study the phonetic alphabet. Yeah. So I put just a regular T there so they know it's a T sound. That's fantastic. And for those of our listeners who might not be watching our YouTube today, but just listening, would you mind sharing your recording of this and explaining how you recorded it for your students? Sure. Uh, so the way I did this uh, is I recorded my voice using an application called Vocru. It's a really awesome website, very simple, bare bones. When you go to the website, you're only gonna see a record button and you record your sample. You can record it as many times as you like. And when you're finished, you stop and there's an option to save and share. And when you select save and share, you can copy and paste a link. You can download the audio file. You can copy a QRC code if somebody's scanning it with their cell phone. There's a bunch of different ways. So the way I chose to share it with my students, however, is I just chose to copy and paste the link somewhere and I gave it to them. Now I kind of made a fancy in this PowerPoint, but to be honest, you can just copy and paste the link and students can copy and paste it in a web browser. That'll work too. So here we go. I'm going to click, this is the Vocru here and you can see the option to play and I'm going to play it for you. I wish my brother washed my sheep on the ship while I watched a witch film eating cheap chips. Okay, so I'm gonna pause it right here. And you can see that I, so, and I repeat it twice, but, and then you can see at the bottom here, the options to share. 
you can embed it somewhere. So that's how I recorded this. So fantastic for our listeners. Uh, this is called Vocaroo. It's spelled V-O-C-A-R-O-O. And we will have that in our notes for you. Again, V-O-C-A-R-O-O, Vocaroo. And uh, Hans, can you share with us how this kind of recording differentiates from what you can already do on your phone with like WhatsApp recordings? Why would a teacher want to use this versus the other ways we've been <laughs> sharing voice recordings up till now before they knew about this? Sure. So uh, in, in a lot of public schools in the United States, privacy is a concern. So sometimes using WhatsApp or, you know, sharing messages on the cell phone can be a little too personal. So Vokuru is awesome in the sense that it's just a website. There's no link to anything. Nobody has to create an account. You just go to the website, record, share your link. And that's how it works. So it's easy enough where students can just, you know, if you have a, a learning management system like Google Classroom or maybe like Edmodo or Blackboard or something, you can use, you can just copy and paste the link or students to submit their work. They can just copy and paste the link right to your learning management system, or they can email it to you however you prefer. And it's easy. They, there's no, um, and it's really low, low bandwidth too. So you don't even have to worry about, you know, wasting too much data on the website or it loading up too long. It's, it's really simple. That's awesome. Is there a limit of how long a recording can be? So I haven't reached a limit. Um, I haven't tested that out. So, uh, and you know, there was another question is how long do the recordings last? So the recording I actually just played for you, I probably made that from today, it's, it, this is August. So I might've made that in February. So February, March, April, May, June, July, August, about seven months ago, I made that recording. So uh, did give you an idea how long it lasts. Right, that's awesome. And you can label them so you could keep your own like file system in Google Classroom or whatever uh, platform you're using to keep all your students recording and say, Jose's recording, Juan's recording, whatever. You can name them and label them within your system. Sure. So when students submit something on a, uh, on an LMS, typically they have their own account. So it'll come right underneath their name. Or if you create an assignment where students can just submit to that assignment, it'll also have their name. Yeah, it'll individually have that. And can you give them do, within the same platform or do you do it separately in like Google Classroom? If you wanted to give them written feedback or, or if you want to give them oral feedback, if you want to say, you said the word it instead of e, you need to focus on the e for sheep instead of if for it. Can you uh, do that both written and orally and send them back recordings like that? Or how do you do give them their feedback? So I, so you can, you can 100% uh, type your response, but I prefer to record, actually record my feedback because okay. I feel like, uh, because I think when giving verbal feedback about their pronunciation, it, it, it's helpful if they can hear your voice yeah. and how you pronounce it versus maybe how you know, or just even giving specific feedback, just saying, hey, it sounded like you said this, and I'm wondering, did you mean to say this? And then, you know, so that way it's, you can't really write that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they're going to say this and this, what? <laughs> so, you know, hearing your voice might help give context to what you're referring to when you're giving feedback. 
Right. And they say, linguistically speaking, you know, you need to hear a sound. I don't know how many times, 10, 20, 30 times before you really retain that sound. I remember when I was learning Albanian and the word for thank you is and I had to hear it like 50 times before I actually you know, got it stuck in my brain and could repeat it and say it naturally. But uh, so it takes a lot of time to hear it and hear it and hear it before it becomes yours and you own it and acquire that sound. So that's 100%. valuable for that. So um, thank you for sharing that. Can you switch back just to uh, talking about how you use this again within the context of storytelling and how you integrate the vocaroo and particularly when you're reading stories, it's going to go back to the bigger picture of storytelling? Sure. So if I am, so going back to this, now here I have a reading sample. Uh, this is, and I showed you some things that I highlight when I want students to read this back. But when it comes to storytelling, I feel that reading is a great way, reading out loud is a great way for students to practice the pronunciation. Yeah. So in terms of storytelling, uh, I will read with as much feeling or, you know, uh, as much expression. Uh, expression. Exactly, thank you. <laughs> as much expression as possible. So that way they understand or they can see that it's not just a monotone reading um, and it, it helps them practice when they talk in real life. You know, can you give IRL for my geeks. Sorry. <laughs> sure. So, um, if so, right now this is a tongue twister. But let's say this is a section from a reading, and I have a quote. So, if I have, or if I have somebody talk, talking in this, I would want them to practice. Okay. Well, we see a question mark at the end of the sentence. So make sure let's practice that we rise our are we going to the are, are we going to the park today or are we going to the park today you know there's different ways they can say so depending on the reading i would make sure that i pronounce it in a way that should be modeled right like are we going to the park today or are we going to the beach today right right so, something like that yep yeah yeah different parts of the speech to depend on what you're trying to emphasize in the question mm -hmm. okay fantastic um for teachers that haven't used like storytelling in their classroom, can you just share some ideas of how you would start uh, teachers with this idea? Like where, where would you help, where would you tell them to start? Hmm, I would say, you know, one thing is know the level of your class. So I would not give, uh, you know, I would not give a story maybe like Huckleberry Finn to level one readers. You know, if they're just learning how to pronounce the alphabet, you might want to start with simple three word, four word sentences, uh, maybe two or three of those. But if they're higher level, then you can do a story like Huckleberry Finn or something that has paragraphs and have them practice a page. Uh, I wouldn't, so I like to give a short sample. The most um, I've given my students and their inter lower intermediate is probably like a, a solid paragraph about six sentences long. Yeah. And each sentence is about five to six words, maybe seven words each, you know? So something just simple that they can practice over and over again and get that right. That's great. Do you use uh, classroom textbooks that you have and have them record readings from the textbooks or do you bring in outside readings? What do you suggest for the storytelling itself or have them tell stories maybe from their cultural backgrounds? 
how do you integrate storytelling or find the, the materials, if you will, for the storytelling? So that's a great, uh, great question. So I, my school provides me with books that uh, I have, I am required to use. So I, I use that and I'll take samples from that and put this in that in this PowerPoint that you see here. However, uh, you can use local news. You can use news articles or articles that students are interested in that have vocabulary that maybe they're learning or uh, connected to a subject like science. Mm -hmm. um, or you can, you know, if there's stories in your own culture or language that, you know, are usable, you can use that. Um, you can pretty much any source that you find and the internet is a vast, vast resource. So anything that works well and that you feel that your students are capable of reading and it won't be, you know, too difficult, then 100%, I, I think it's a, it's a free reign, it's open. Yeah, I just had an idea popped into my mind as you were talking about there's so much on the news and oftentimes it's hard to uh, process the news in a second language. But if you were able to get a news clip that you had on a YouTube news clip, for example, even from BBC News or something like that about COVID around the world or in their home countries, you could ask them to get the script of it and then ask them to read it as if they were a newscaster and have to have the intonation and pronunciation for, for being a newscaster uh, in English, right? And that could be kind of a fun way for them to have to take on the persona to include the expression for sharing a news clip, a short news clip. Anyway, that just uh, popped into that, my that's a, that's a That's exactly a great idea. And I was, all, you know, you can even, so in a, in a sense, in the uh, realm of storytelling also, yeah. maybe they can create a, a play or their own storybook. Um, yeah. There's websites for that too, where students can create their own storybook and, you know, create their own dialogues. Right, definitely. So the dialogues from their homes and how different things around the world are affecting them in their hometown, their stories from their homes based on our pandemic today, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, anything more you want to share from your PowerPoint? Otherwise, we'll jump to some summary tips. No, the, the, this is it. Okay, fantastic. If you want to, I'll share back my screen and... I'll just do a quick summary of our tips. So storytelling, as Hans has shared with us, a great voice recording app that has its own, sorry, not an app, it's a website called Vocaroo, again, V-O-C-A-R-O-O.com. This is a great website that's easy to use and easy to send and record on for in any language, not just English. There's also a web series link. Can you share with us a little bit about that? We're not gonna play it today, but uh, you can see it in our notes and go to this link. If you wouldn't mind uh, Han sharing with us about this link. Sure, uh, this is uh, from a website called American English. It's uh, it basically, they have some helpful tips on just you know words of vocabulary and things of that nature for English. However, uh, for this recording, in terms of what we're talking about today, uh, guided reading and using inflection, uh, in this uh, link here, I'm the narrator for this episode. And what I'm doing is I'm using a lot of the techniques I'm talking about today to read a simple script. So I, I use some cadence, some uh, in, in intonation, and some pauses to provide a little bit more depth to what I'm reading. So if you just wanna, you know, an example or just want to watch the video that's that's what it's about it's great for practicing english too 
Mm-hmm. It's a long uh, website is hard to read, but look in our notes and you'll find this link. The name of the series again, Hans, would you mind sharing that one more time? The, just the name of the series if they want to Google it. Sure. It's uh, American English. And I believe the series is called, uh, it's just called Synonyms, actually. Okay. American English Synonyms. And it's under a YouTube link in our notes. You can hear Hans' voice as he records (laughs) (laughs) in this link. So final tips, just to summarize storytelling, is allowing time for the reading of text. Don't interrupt your students while reading. Do you want to elaborate on that, Hans? Sure. That's actually a big point. So when reading it, or, or even when speaking in English, students are translating from their language and trying to say it in English. So I know as teachers, sometimes we have the urge to, you didn't say that right, you didn't say that right, or you know, you say it like this while they're reading. But what happens is uh, if students are reading, and they're continually uh, getting interrupted, you know, you leave way for a student to shut down and they can lose that confidence to speak English and you, you know, that can hinder their progress. So a good idea is, you know, when a student is reading, no matter how long it takes, because it could take a while sometimes, uh, let them finish. Give them the space to practice that in that moment, let them finish and then when they're done, uh, you know, pick the most glaring thing that could be worked on and use that as a stepping stone for them to get better, you know, because they're not going to fix everything in that one sentence. So telling them all their mistakes may just be overwhelming. So just pick that one thing that you feel can bring them to the next step and then work on that moving forward. Yeah, that's really important. As we all know as teachers, the importance of the affective filter. When you interrupt students when they're reading, their affective filter is going to go way up rather than what you want, obviously, is the filter to go down so that they feel safe to read in front of their peers, especially, is really intimidating. Mm -hmm. Do you tend to put them in pairs or small groups for the reading, again, so they don't feel intimidated to read in front of the whole class when their reading level might not be as high as others in their class? How do you handle that? So, you know, so interesting after giving, so I started this assignment just as a way to incorporate speaking during the pandemic, right? Um, Online, it's hard, you know, when students are on the computer, they turn off their screen, it's black and they turn off their mics and all you see like a letter or face, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, so, uh, but what happened was the thing I didn't realize until after this was that students were practicing at home these assignments. And they were practicing it comfortably because they were either in the room, away from people not listening, and they were actually practicing. And what I found is that when I was doing in-class readings, you know how you, you do classroom readings and everybody takes a turn reading, Yeah. Uh, students were volunteering. Students were, uh, I had more participation, so because students had more confidence in what they were doing. So it was just a, you know, a, a, an effect that I didn't expect. I'm glad it happened. <laughs> but so when when you're talking about what do I do with students uh, individually at first, and then you know they can practice reading it. There are activities you can do where students practice reading and they practice listening to each other and saying, "Hey, I think you didn't say this word right or say this word right," you know, and then that builds up their meta uh, you know, their listening skills as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So they could share their recording. Maybe that could be one of your assignments that they share the recording with two other students in the class and they have to give each other feedback before they give the final recording to you. So they like practice it with a couple of friends. Yeah. So exactly. So they, and you know, so I always consider myself, I tell them, you know, peer review is, I like peer review in the classroom, um, you know, and we always have to be careful of that, but peer review can be helpful in a sense of, you know, as a teacher, we consider ourselves, I'm the final destination, right? When you hand it to me, there's no going back. So make sure you ask the opinions of your peers. Hey, what do you think about this? That's great. Great. Okay, one uh, other tip you mentioned was giving verbal feedback is critical, but how is given is extremely important. Uh, we have in our slides the point that one plus and one improvement. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners? Yeah, so uh, as I said, you know, we don't want to bombard them with everything that could have gone better. So just choose that one critical thing. And then from that, also give them one positive thing that they did. Tell them, hey, I really liked that you're trying, even if they didn't do it great or perfect, just compliment them on them trying to do better. I, I heard you really, or for example, like I heard you really trying to uh, in like raise your intonation, or I heard you really pausing at these sentences. Just whatever you notice that they did differently and are trying to get better, encourage them in that. And then say, hey, I think that maybe you want to practice saying this word a little bit more, or you know, give them some advice, take your time when you're speaking, you know, yeah. so, so some things of that nature. Yeah, that's great. Even giving them a couple more tongue twisters to listen to. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little competition of tongue twisters. <laughs> yeah, you can give them some examples that that uh, that also helps as well. Yep. Yeah, that's great. And finally, just to recap, you've talked about how to find stories using stories you have access to and using your school materials. So you don't have to go so far outside of your classroom. Any other final tips you want to add about the materials for storytelling that you've used or mentioned already? Sure. Be, be intentional when you choose material. Uh, make sure it has a purpose, whether it's for practicing intonation, a specific sound. As you saw in my sample, uh, I wanted them to protect, practice a specific sound. But uh, be intentional. Uh, I would say that's probably the, the biggest advice. And... Uh, and, the, and the last advice probably is, you know, the energy you bring to this is the energy they receive. That's that's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest things too. Amen. And giving them that confidence is so important for our listeners. Uh, we all know that building confidence and speaking another language is key to their success as language learners and language speakers and their ultimate acquisition of English for their fluency and their use in their professional and academic lives. So thank you so much, Hans, for your time today. Any final things you'd like to add before we say goodbye? <laughs> no, well, happy reading and, you know, uh, keep, it, keep it positive, keep it smiling. Yeah, and I guess one last thing I was going to add is let your students bring books to class or stories from their home to class. Let their grandparents tell them a story. They have to record it, even in their first language, and figure out how to translate it to English. That's a great assignment for higher level learners if you have that opportunity in your classroom to carry the stories from generations and bring them to the classroom. We'll come back to that in a future episode. But uh, thank you, Han, so much for sharing with us. And thank you for having me. Yeah, we wish you all the best in Montenegro. I want to invite our listeners to join Eva. You can tell she's a very dynamic, interactive storyteller. 
She's going to share a live workshop with us on Saturday, September 18th at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. We'd love you to join us. You can tell she's going to go a lot more in depth with her techniques and give us the hands-on tools so we as teachers can practice the storytelling. Also, at the end of this month, we have our Saturday TTELT talks at the end of every month. It'll be September 25th. Again, we're offering two times to capture our listeners around the globe, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time or 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This again is a time where we talk about topics that matter most to you. As September is our storytelling month, if you want to focus on storytelling for this talk as well, we'd love you to join us. And again, email us ahead of time with questions, comments at tteltinfo at gmail.com. Thank you all for joining us today. Follow us at ttelt.org our weekly podcasts, which are also available on our YouTube channel. And we have monthly workshops, which we'll be sharing with you, upcoming workshops on storytelling for the month of September. Thanks Hans and very safe travels to Montenegro. We'll look forward to keeping in touch with you and hopefully having you share techniques and TTELT with your Montenegro colleagues. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very day. much. <laughs>